John 3.16. So his Bibles will turn there once again. We've taken a couple of three weeks to look at this wonderful passage. And today we're going to look at the very conclusion of it. So we'll read it again together. You know it, but let's look at it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Father, only eternity will really come to bear and show us the effectiveness of your word and even of this particular verse and how many people will be around the throne for all eternity because they heard this verse, they heard your invitation, they responded in faith, and they received the gift of eternal life. And Lord, most of us in this room this morning have done just that. We are recipients of that amazing gift. And Lord, we know it on one end and one hand, but yet we don't always fully appreciate the impactfulness and the powerfulness and the the transforming nature that eternal life really is. And so we just want to pause this morning in the midst of everything else going on in our lives, everything else going on in our church, and just thank you for your wonderful, free, and abundant gift of eternal life. And Lord, help us this morning be motivated through this message to share that good news with those who don't know it. And if there is one here this morning who's never experienced that gift, I pray that even through the singing and through the preaching and through the reading of your word, you'll open their eyes and you'll draw them to you. Lord, our hearts need to hear you today. You're present with us. You're here every time we gather. The risen Lord in all of his glory and all of his power and all of his might, surrounded here by angels, you are here among us. Lord, help us open our eyes and see you and unclog our ears and hear you and melt our hearts and feel you. In Jesus' name, Amen. I like the idea. I heard John Piper. I'm, I'm relying a lot of him on this John 3.16 text. And I heard him say one time, he saw a bumper sticker on a car that said, watch out for motorcycles or look for motorcycles or see motorcycles. I think is what he said. Yeah, see motorcycles. That's what it was. Like, well, what's that mean? Like, have you never seen a motorcycle in your life? You know, what he means is when you look at that bumper sticker, what it means is, be aware of them. Look for them. Not just that you've never seen one before. You've seen them, but are you really seeing them? And sometimes when we come to worship and come together to make much of God, we need to see God, see Christ. He's really here. And look for him. This wonderful text, as John records these words that Jesus has for Nicodemus. And we talked extensively about the first few parts of this text and the first few different words and we've taken them apart and we've saved here for the last Sunday I'm with you that we should not perish but have eternal life for God not just any God God Jehovah the one true God the holy God and if you go back and you listen to Pastor Chad about Genesis you'll understand even more the holy perfect God who's who created everything in six days and said it was good, and then created man and said it was really good. That holy God, that's the God we're talking about here. The God who has all power in all the universe, 
who created everything we see and named every star and holds them in place by his mighty power, who is holy, 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 cannot look upon sin or tolerate sin and must obliterate it and punish it or he ceases to be holy. That's the God we're talking about. Not the God we create in our own mind. Not the God the culture creates. Not some God that is, that is like a Mr. Rogers out here who just, we sort of may bring him down to our level, but the God. And that's really important to understand. The holy Jehovah creator, all powerful, has never had a beginning and will never have an ending God. So loved. So loved. I know I'm preaching Pastor Chad's message from last night, but I can't quite get over it. All right, so here we go. <laughs> I, I, he, he was talking about after Adam and Eve sinned. And he said the only thing Adam had ever known of God before he sinned was God's power and majesty and glory and creation. And when Adam sins, he has no idea what to expect from God. God said, if you eat of this tree, you will what? Surely die. That means die, die, die. And Adam and Eve ate of it. And so what in the world is Adam thinking as he and Eve hide? I can't, you'll make you want to go watch this video. But what in the world is Adam and Eve thinking? And I love this part. God in the cool of the morning. In the cool of the day. You know, apparently Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day every day. But on this day, they hid from him. And God comes to Adam and Eve. And what does he say? Where are you? Well, he knew where they were. If you ever ask your children when they're hiding, okay, where are you? You know where they are. You just want them to fess up to it. He wanted Adam to fess up to it. What did Adam, how did Adam, it is only after Adam acknowledges he's here, we see the love of God in a, toward a fallen Man, for God so loved Adam and Eve that he didn't just obliterate them. Amen? For God, and what in the world could Adam bring to God? What did Adam have to offer God? What do you have to offer God? It's not like God looked at you and go, man, I gotta have that guy. No, you and I bring nothing to him. He comes to us just as he came to Adam after his fall because of his love. And, and, and John's gospel makes it so clear when Jesus says, for God, the holy God, so loved the world. And when we see the world that, that, that when John uses that word in his gospels, we talked about extensively and showed you many different places. He's talking about humanity. For God so loved Adam and all who followed that he gave, and that really means sent, right? Because we looked at the different text in the Gospel of John where Jesus is sent by the Father. 
And Jesus always was. He wasn't created on Christmas Eve. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't created. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't born and had not existed before he came to earth. Jesus always was. He was there at creation. He's part of the Trinity. And so he always was. He's the Son of God. And he, God sent the Son. He sent him on an assignment. He gave him. His only son, that whoever believes, and we talked about what belief meant. It's not just mental assent. It means to receive. Because we again, we looked at several passages where John uses those words back and forth. Believe to receive, and receive and believe. And so you receive him. What's it mean to receive him? Like I said, it's not like you get an Amazon package and you receive it at your door and you put it away. And that's what it, no, it means you receive him like you receive your grandchildren when they come to the door. You're so delighted that they're there. You'll rearrange the house. You know, when we know our grandkids are coming, we, we change everything for them. We love to have them there. The difference is sometimes we're not sad when they leave, but that's a different story. <laughs> but you receive him like you receive someone you love, that you long for. It's not just this mental assent who believes and receives, then should not perish. You know, a lot of times when we talk about hell, we, we talk about the absence of God, to spend eternity without God. Now, by the way, I don't have time this morning, but because we'll, I want to spend time on eternal life, not all on perishing the last time I'm with you. So we'll just go through this quickly. But, but Jesus speaks more about hell than anybody else in the Bible. And he doesn't speak about hell as though it's not real. Is that, is that enough for us to hear this morning? I realize, like I said, the God for God, the God that he's talking about here is Yahweh, God, Jehovah, the most powerful, all holy. He's not some God that culture creates or that some modern churches water down so that he's acceptable to all of us. He is the God. And the same thing, there's a lot of believers, a lot, I wouldn't know they're believers, but a lot of people claim to be Christians who don't want to believe in hell because how could God do that? And so they deny the literal nature of hell. The problem with that is Jesus talks about it more than anybody. And he should know. And when he talks about it, he doesn't talk about it in vague terms that aren't really real. He talks about it in a specific place where things specifically happen. Just the story of the rich man and Lazarus. In this amazing story, Jesus pulls back the curtain of eternity. And he said there were two people. There was a beggar. And even though the rich man wouldn't care for the beggar, the dogs did. The dogs licked his sores. And they both died. There's, there's another sermon there. And there. I mean, I don't care how rich or how poor, you're all going to the cemetery eventually. They both died. One was righteous and one was unrighteous. At it, you would say it was just the opposite that God must be blessing this rich man and this poor man who's such a beggar that the dogs lick his sores, he must have done something awful. But God makes it clear that when the righteous man, who on the outside didn't have all the wealth and power, that just destroys the prosperity gospel, by the way. When the righteous man, who's a beggar and broken and sick, when he dies, 
Jesus says, these angels come and embrace him and carry him right to the presence of God. What happens when a saint dies? What happens when you or I die and when our children or our grandchildren or our parents or our spouse or our brothers or our sisters or our loved ones, what happens when they are in Christ, when they are believers and they die? They are not alone at that point of death. They are embraced by the angels and carried to the presence of God. All right? That's what Jesus, he just let us know that. So when you're thinking of dying, when, you're, when you face death, You've got to know you're not facing it alone. And when you close your eyes in death, you'll be surrounded and carried by angels. And when you see a loved one slip from this life to the next, you can be confident in the word of Jesus that they'll be carried by the angels to the presence of God. But then he also says, but the rich man died. And he went into great detail about where he went. And he was in torment. And he was in such torment that he simply longed for a drop of water to cool his tongue. And there would be none. And he begged for someone to go and tell his brothers lest they end up in this place. And Jesus says there was a big gaff or chasm between the two. And he could not the rich man could not reach heaven. And he was in torment for eternity. He's still in torment now. Now look, I realize you may sit there and go, I want nothing to do with a God like that. God is holy and just, and he has made it abundantly clear, if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. And all of us have sinned, and sin must be punished. That's why he sent his son, so that none of us would have to perish. That's why, look, there's no greatness in John 3.16 if there's no perishing. I mean, why do I want to, if if I'm not going to perish, then what's the point? But the point is, you are going to perish, and perishing means eternal judgment of God. Hell is not the absence of God. Hell is the presence of God's judgment for all eternity. And and I think sometimes we just completely sort of put that out of our mind, and we have to realize that when we give money to missions, when we help plant churches, when we want to go door to door and invite people to a gospel event, when we want to share with our friends and our family. Look, we can't make people become Christians. You can't talk them into it. You can't argue them into it. But my goodness, we need to make the gospel clear and known so they can have the opportunity to hear to understand it and be drawn to it. Because eternity is at stake. And we just sort of wander around our Christian life sometimes like it doesn't really matter. It matters. Right here in John 3.16, maybe the most beloved passage in all the scripture, perishing is there. That whoever believes and receives, whoever, it doesn't matter, Jew, Greek, male, female, doesn't matter, rich, poor, what you've done in your past, doesn't matter. A Pharisee, a tax collector, a Levite or a prostitute. 
If you will, if you will receive him, then you, then, then, then you will not perish. But, now I know the King James says have everlasting life, but really the, the better modern equivalent is eternal life. You will have eternal life. What is eternal life? Oh, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked because we're spending a little bit, a few minutes we have remaining here in the Gospel of John looking at these passages quickly about eternal life. Jesus is the life. If you look at John 15, 5. You know this verse, John 15, 5. We'll begin with the first verse. I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it bear me more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Life comes from Jesus, not from us. He is the source of life. Look at John chapter 5, verse 24. In John 5, verse 24. Listen while I read again a familiar passage of Scripture to you. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. And he does not come into judgment, but he's passed from death to life. Verse 26, for as the father hath life in himself, so he granted the son also to have life in himself. And remember, maybe some of the most famous words of Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life comes from Jesus. He is the source of eternal life. So when you and I have eternal life, it is not something we've earned, we've figured out, We've, di- we've discovered, we've acquired. It is a gift totally dependent upon him. So every day we awake, we realize our eternal life, the source of our eternal life is Jesus Christ. Not our church membership. Not our baptism. Not our communion. Not that I live better and work harder than most people. But Jesus is the source of life. How many times in the New Testament do we see that Jesus is the fountain and the source of life? And perhaps none clearer than where he is the vine and we are the branches. What happens if you cut off the branch from the vine? It dies. It has absolutely no life. Again, Powerful, amazing. In John chapter 17, verse 3, what is eternal life? In order to not perish, we receive the gospel, the gift of Jesus. To become 
the punishment for our sin. We believe in him, and so in believing in him, we receive him into us. And the life that we have, Jesus says, I come that you might have life and have it abundantly. When you and I received Jesus, we received eternal life at that moment. Eternal life is not something you have the moment you die. You have it now. And so every morning when we wake up, we may have aches and pains. We may have a seizure. We may have financial difficulties. We may have loved ones who are going through addictions or, or, or medical problems. You may have parents that you have to take care of who have dementia. You may have a loved one who has dementia. It may be all kinds of crisis in your life. But every morning when you wake up, his mercy is new on you that morning. Every morning, you have eternal life right now. It's not something that's going to be there when you cross over, all right? You have it now. Because you have Jesus, and he's the giver of life. And he's given you eternal life. And he keeps giving you eternal life. Every second of eternity, your eternal life comes from him. He is the source of all life. Without him, there is none. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But what is it? We look again, John 17. Jesus, this high priestly prayer that Jesus is praying to the Father. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given me authority over all flesh, listen, since you have given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And Jesus, again, is the source of eternal life. When we really think on that, it draws us to love him even more. He didn't just pay for my sin, which he did. He didn't just rise from the dead, which he did. But he's the source of my eternal life. I owe everything to him. It's his to give, and he freely gives it to me, a sinner, and this he says is eternal so what is eternal life you have it right now if you're a child of God if you've been born again if you've received Jesus and and, and believed in him and trusted him for salvation confessed your sin acknowledged as, as, as Adam did here I am and I've sinned I've tried to cover myself with fig leaves if you'll acknowledge your sin before God and receive Jesus, then you will not perish. You will have eternal life. Eternal life begins at that moment, not when you die. And what is eternal life? Well, Jesus tells us here in the prayer to the Father, this is what he says. And this is eternal life. Can we be any clearer than that? John seventeen three. And this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is a relationship. John Piper makes it so clear. It helped me so much when I heard this from him. Jesus Christ makes it clear. Eternal life is a relationship. 
I've preached this text so many times. I've quoted this verse so many times. And I've tried to struggle so many times to describe it and explain it. And, and then I listen to a pastor like John Piper and he just, God just gives him this clarity about it. And I want to share it with you this morning. He said, some of us treat eternal life as an inoculation. It's like a shot. All right? We, we come to church and we hear about hell and we don't really hate God. And Okay, I'll, I'll get my shot. I'll get my inoculation against death and hell. So you get the shot and you go home the next few days. You don't think about it anymore. You say, hey, I got that. Right? I got it. In case something happens, I got it. If I, if I need something, it's there, right? If I get sick, if I have a bad MRI, oh, wait, it's time to worry about it. I got, I got, I'm inoculated against death. Okay, don't worry about it. But day to day, week to week, month to month, don't really think about God. He's not the first thing on my mind. I'm not in a relationship with him. And I'm not here to tell you whether you're saved or not. That's just something you and God know. But I think you need to think very carefully when the Son of God tells us this is eternal life, that you know God and you have a relationship with him. And if all you have is sort of fire insurance against hell, that's a pretty risky thing. Eternal life is a relationship with Jesus. Where you love him. Now the apostle Paul says. Every day I have to beat my body in submission. Least I am not worthy of the gospel I preach. The apostle Paul says you know. My spirit is willing and my flesh is weak. And I do the things. I mean the scripture makes it abundantly clear. This side of heaven. This, we are corruptible. We are mortal. And we are still fallen. And we battle sin. And we're not yet totally made pure. And totally sanctified. We'll have seasons of spiritual growth. And seasons of valleys. I get all of that. Remember my story years, months ago, seems like years ago probably, I've been here so long for you. The guy who gets up every morning and gets ready for work and he's got the cat and every morning he's late for work and the kids are late for school and the wife's late for school and he's trying to gather all of his work stuff together and put it in his computer bag and get out the door because his boss is going to be really hard on him if he's late. And he's always late and this cat's always under his feet. But every, every morning he gets up and loves the kids, hugs the kids and hugs his wife and grabs his computer bag and, and every morning as soon as he gets ready to leave the door, the cat tries to shoot out the door and he has to put the cat back and sometimes the cat gets away and he's got to get the cat and put it back, but he does it. But one morning, he's been up late the night before, he doesn't feel good, his boss is particularly cranky and on this morning, sorry if you like cats, but on this morning, when that cat starts to get out of the door, he just puts it under his foot and just goes and tosses it off the porch. He's so mad and so angry. He gets to work and his kids see him do that to the cat. And they're horrified. And his wife's mad. He doesn't care. Nobody cares about him and how much he does and how hard he works at this house and that stupid cat every morning. But later on in that day, he begins to realize, yeah, it wasn't very good. He comes home and he apologizes to his wife and to his kids. I don't think you apologize to a cat. I don't think they really care. My point in that is we all have a day when we kick the cat. 
that's not who we are. He didn't get up every morning and kick the cat every morning. If you look at your life, does it, exempl- does it exemplify a relationship with God so that even when you do, and we will, spout off and be angry and become lustful and, and, and become disobedient and become undisciplined, that it's not a lifestyle that we embrace, but it's rather something we, we encounter and maybe, maybe for a season we, 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 we sort of just explore it and we find some relief in it, but eventually the convicting, thank God, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit comes and we realize this is not really what I want. I'm not finding any joy in this. If you can go your life and not feel that, this is eternal life, that you know God, that you have a relationship with him. Not that you've gone to a a service and signed a commitment card and maybe were baptized and now I don't have to worry about death anymore because I can quote John 3, 16. Jesus says, this is life that you know. And the only time Jesus ever says those words, this is eternal life, is in that prayer to the Father, that they would know you. Do you know him today? Do you see him today? Do you acknowledge today that he is the source of your eternal life that has already begun because that is a relationship with him? And you and I bring nothing to him, but he still comes to us in love and mercy and grace and says, I claim you as my own. We have nothing to offer him. And yet he still loves us. We have nothing to offer him. And yet he still comes to us. We have nothing to offer him. And yet he absolutely offers us his best. His only son. And free salvation. Posted this on Facebook a couple of days ago when I was a kid. There was a man up in North Missouri who was blind. His name was Tommy Moss. Oh, I just remember the name. And he played the trumpet. And he would come to different churches, come to our church a lot. And he'd play the trumpet and sing, and he was gifted. But I know he would always end with this song. First, he would put that trumpet to his lips, and he would play it just beautifully the melody and then he would he would drop the trumpet down to his side and a cappella wearing those sunglasses and I remember my dad would help him up to the platform and he would drop that trumpet to his side and a cappella he would sing these words once I was clothed in the rags of my sin wretched and poor Lost and lonely within. But with wondrous compassion, the king of all kings, in pity and love, took me under his wings. Yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. His royal blood, it now flows through my veins. And I, who was wretched and poor, now can sing, praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King.
You know that song? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the King. His royal blood now flows through my veins. And I, who was wretched and poor, now can sing. Praise God, praise God, I'm a child of the King. That's eternal life. He's my dad. I'm his child. 